this is a content warning that during this episode from very early on and all the way through, we do make reference to Abby's suicidal thoughts, suicide attempts, and also reference to an eating disorder. So just checking in if this is the right time for you to listen to this episode. Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it, and the times we've used it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Today, I'm joined by Abby Barnes. Abby is an award-winning presenter, filmmaker, mountain leader, with a passion for tying well-being to expeditions and adventures. They are also the founder of the organisation Spend More Time in the Wild and hosts one of the longest-running adventure YouTube channels under the same name. Abby has been making films since the age of 13. They earned international recognition for their work in the field of wildlife and conservation, winning awards hosted by Sir David Attenborough and speaking in the European Parliament or before the age of 16. Since then, Abby has worked as a personal trainer, instructor and walk leader and has undertaken an impressive list of solo long-distance walks in remote places and mountaineering challenges, all shared on their YouTube channel, which has over 10 million viewers. Abby also vulnerably shares about their mental health and chronic pain challenges and uses nature as a metaphor in order to inspire us all and to work through life's obstacles and thrive. Welcome to the podcast, Al- <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Abby. Hello, super, super happy to be here. <laughs> trying to do two things at once there, so almost called so you the wrong name. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was just going to ask, like, do you always nail it every single time? Because I used to do these introduction pieces, like, re- you know, reading it, and I would just butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never edit anything. <laughs> Okay, well done. I'm only joking. I left <laughs> no, no, no. I left one in when I was speaking to Damien Hall because we were talking about environmental issues and how we couldn't be perfect. So I left it in where I introduced yeah. him as my desk instead of my guest. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. This this is real life. <laughs> yes, I didn't mention the podcast in that, but you've also got a podcast as well because you're not busy enough. Yeah, I do. I mean, it is on pause. I will, I will hold my hands up there. Um, the One Wildlife Podcast, yes, because I appreciate the huge amount of work it takes to do this thing. But what I love about podcasts is they're so it doesn't really matter about the the time. They're just there, aren't they? And easy to find. It's not like you have to search through totally. years and years of blog posts or anything like that. They're always accessible. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I do like about podcasts. Mm. But, you know, my favourite thing is being able to connect with awesome people. So um very, very happy to be here chatting with you today. It's so nice to meet you. I've had some very excited friends message me when I huh? said I was talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Followed you on your journey from the start of your videos. Do you, do you, are you happy with those contents? Do you look back and cringe? <laughs> Are you inferring that you went right back to the start? No, I didn't. But I just okay. want... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, so no, here, here's you your first it. video from YouTube. <laughs> no, my first ones. 
they are so funny because it's like the one everyone takes to make out of me because I have a full film about garden snails where I'm like deadly serious about this is a garden snail oh look at the ripple of their muscle on the window (laughs) were you a child or were you on drugs (laughs) (laughs) I was a young adult. (laughs) That's that's all you need to know. No, I was passionate about the ecosystem and the circle of life and snails have their place. And I wanted to educate people on the wonder of the world of snails. (laughs) A documentary Uh, coming to a screen near you. (laughs) I haven't found that one, but I'm going to look at it. But I would never laugh at anybody who's passionate about something because that just (laughs) excites me. I don't care what the passion is. So I think it sounds great. And also cringing back at stuff I've done I feel like that's good because it means that I've grown and changed and that's evolved it. yeah I sound a bit less posh I have evolved <laughs> <laughs> but you know word of warning you will be obsessed with snails after that video or you'll never see one ever again <laughs> <laughs> yes it is a work of wonder <laughs> and when you put your video about snails was that on YouTube or we oh yeah you're young you're not going to go back on MySpace or whatever we had before then. no I remember MSN I was never cool enough to get on anything like that. I was still like sending (laughs) message, like letters in the post to my friends. Letters are great. We should do more letters in this twenty twenty four world. But when you were putting those out, did what were you expecting? Was it were you thinking long term? Did you have a goal that you were going to get all these ten million viewers? And (laughs) yeah, actually, no. It was um, so from forever. Basically, I've been obsessed about nature and wildlife and trying to use my voice as a force of change Um, and I was really considering very very intentionally and thoughtfully as a young person like what can I do to make a difference and I realized that through film as a medium I can reach more people and tell a story and 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 hopefully change more lives and get my mission literally was to uh, get people outside into nature so they'd have meaningful experiences that ensure they want to protect the natural world for future generations to come so they want to share their wonderful journey with other people and protect nature um so by filming rabbits badgers foxes snails i was really trying to i suppose open people's eyes to the natural world around them in the uk so i was doing a series of short films about the local wildlife around my home and i was deadly serious about it but no the ultimate goal really was as well to um secure a career in wildlife filmmaking because that was what I've wanted to do for well since I was probably like eight nine um yeah so that was the beginning of my portfolio and here we are today I know and I love that because I I mean I've gone through a lot of careers anyway but when I was a child I went through even more of what I was going to be doing every week so I find it I find it so nice that you you still got that passion and like it's so young to to have that and and keep it Mm. with you it is funny because I, I I have days where I call it like the fire. Um, as a young person, I had a huge amount of fire and, and passion and knowing what my life was about. And it's a very tangible, visceral feeling within me. And even now at the age of 27, I still have days where I really feel that fire. And it actually connects me to that kid like, all those years mm-hmm. ago doing what I was doing, like long hours, sat at my desk editing on this very primeval setup. Um, to now being on my fancy fancy uh, MacBook and still feeling that fire because I'm useless at doing things if it doesn't have a purpose and um, that fire is my purpose really. <laughs> and and I, I find it quite sad that there's so many adults that I know and see where they've lost that sense of fun and passion and doing things just because they cared and 
Yeah. And we can get so caught up in life, can't we, sometimes? Yeah. Nice thing is, it's not irreversible. You can refind it. Yeah. Yeah. And all you have to do is just do something you enjoy, I guess. Spend more time in the wild. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we get off off onto I do want to ask you about the wild and nature and what that means, but I'm really interested to talk about it in with the lens of resilience and how we get through adversity, tough times. And it feels like you're such a well-placed person to ask about this. So thank you. And yeah, what does resilience mean for you? It's like a horrendous question. <laughs> I knew this was coming, but it is really I, I did question. warn you. <laughs> I know you did. And I saw it and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> no, so it's, it, for me, it's very difficult to summarise in a sentence. Um, and I think that's what's so cool about having this podcast because it's so personal and, and subjective. Uh, but the things that really came to mind for me with resilience is courage and bravery and strength. And it's a lot about this grit and determination but I think resilient, and what I really took from that is resilience is is quite an subconscious intentional thing, and it's like a, a survival habit that we can go into during hard times. And I think what it made me do was look at okay, you've got resilience, and then you have courage. Like usually, you have to be courageous to be resilient. And in my mind, like courage is persevere uh, perseverance in the presence of fear. And fear could be slotted in with struggle or difficulty. So it's, it's perseverance through fear, struggle, whatever. Mm. Um, and that I also really think is what resilience is. It is just it's a perseverance and that can be passive and that can be intentional. And that is really why I find resilience so hard to grasp because it's very much like this is a tough flipping time. Like I've got to dial in and knuckle down and show up for this. Or it's, uh, you know, hard time can also make you quite numb and it's just you're floating through it. But that doesn't make you unresilient, mm. you know, and I think we are all resilient beings. <laughs> Look at the state of the world, you know, but I think also resilience isn't necessarily like linked with bad things. I think we can have resilience in the face of a lot of good things coming our way because it's a lot about the energy in which we're putting into things. So you get a waffle as a response because I find it so hard to capture in a sentence it's but it's an amazing amazing thing resilience and it's something I'm um, I'm quite obsessed with actually well so am I but also I am really mean because I never answer it myself yeah <laughs> I go, weren't, uh, however many 50 odd episodes I think that I've recorded and I'd still have to think about it if somebody turned that question back on me I, I think that's the first time that I've heard that it doesn't have to be in a, a tough time, a hard time, that we can have resilience in the face of of anything, really. And sometimes what really struck me with that is a kind of how hard it can be to accept the good things sometimes and, and know that we're worthy and deserve them. And that's something that I haven't thought about in terms of resilience. So thanks for giving us such thought-provoking waffle. <laughs> No, you're welcome. I mean, <laughs> A, I love waffles. Um, but also, <laughs> I think, yeah, like resilience equals growth. Mm. I think um, resilience is not static. Like quite often it can just seem like you're holding your ground. But to me, that's stubbornness. That's different to resilience. Um, resilience is definitely a forward motion thing. And then what it brings is motivation, is movement, is hope. Like it's a, it's so transient. It's part of a linear 
journey. And that's why I think it can be uh, linked with positive things as well, because, you know, you get into a new job, which is slightly harder than you you thought, you know, and you, you're constantly adapting and overcoming. And it's actually really positive things. It's not necessarily bad. It's like, oh, yes, this is making me grow. This is exciting. And you have to be resilient in order to show up for that growth and these new chapters in life. So that's where I was really trying to come from with the, the positive thing. And, you know, like, you know, sometimes you're going through the best day of your life, like whatever it is. And actually, I think it requires resilience to show up for that because you know that, your this kid can never be born again this is this day and that is quite uh, requires a resilience to really accept the humility of that experience that this is an amazing beautiful thing and a lot of people i think can live in, in denial of the good stuff around them because it requires resilience to actually accept that everything around us is beautiful and transient and that's okay mm, yeah and also if we're accepting the good stuff we have to accept the bad stuff and accept that mm. we have to have both <laughs> and exactly. that we can't just have the good stuff unfortunately yeah exactly it's the, it's the way it is you feel one thing you've got to feel everything else <laughs> well you're very wise to know all this by 27 <laughs> because it's much older wise, and still not figuring it out, out. <laughs> life is an evolution <laughs> I'm really interested in how you've got through some of of the really tough times. You've been open about the mental health challenges that you've had and I guess are ongoing. I, I suppose people that talk about them, there's nobody that says, oh, yeah, that's, that box is ticked and I'm well now. It's a constant, constant challenge or something to manage. So mm. when did you start having challenges with your mental health? Um, and what did that look like? Yeah, it's quite difficult to pinpoint exactly mm-hmm. when um, I sent to jump in around when I was at college, because that's really where I learned the language of mental health. Um, so around 16 to 18 years old, I was basically receiving support from my tutor, the college nurse and the college chaplain. I had to see all three every single day because I was in such a mentally unwell place. Um, and that's where I learned, okay, there's you know severe anxiety, there's depression, there's suicidal ideation, having followed on from attempts to take my life when I was younger. Um, there's bulimia uh, and different eating disordered patterns going on here. There's self-harm. These are all phrases I didn't know what they were. And, you know, that's quite a lot to just throw out in a sentence. Uh, but the point is I'd been battling with these for a very long time. Um, when I was 13 years old, I learned that what I had done was an attempt to take my life. Um, so it, it really only was in hindsight that I came to understand that I'd been struggling for you know a fair amount of time. Um, it's not like you... Yeah, I think it's been a, it's been a shadow in my life for as long as I can remember. And the shape and textures and <laughs> approach to that has grown and morphed over time. But it's been a jolly rocky journey. And and you're right, like, you know, it's, it, it is something I have to monitor and manage every single day. I mean, we all have mental health. So this is a conversation about staying in a good place of mental health. And um, it, for me, it doesn't really matter about the labels and things that various folks have given me uh, and the the journey that I've been on it's it's just staying as a happy healthy human being that's really my ultimate goal with with managing it all (laughs) yeah yeah it sounds absolutely awful that you were so young and having all these challenges was it did you have 
support from an early stage or was this something that you you didn't talk about didn't tell people and wasn't obvious to people yeah it was a very lonely experience uh which i'm sure exacerbated everything um so i was bullied at school i went to five different schools um and every single one was physical verbal and emotional bullying um some very very unpleasant things uh, like being locked in the locker rooms um and then having sprays of aerosols to just fill the air so much so that I couldn't breathe and had to climb out of the window and people following me home trying to burn me with the end of cigarettes and being kicked to the ground this that and the other shouted at me so that was very difficult uh, and then home was just a bit of a, a rocky turbulent place with different transitions and things going on and never mind being thrown into the mix you know you're growing up into an adult and your body is changing and not identifying with that, uh, which again is one of those hindsight things where it's like, yeah, that wasn't easy. Um, and so on and so forth. And, you know, coming back to the beginning of this conversation, this is where nature became my safe place. And that's, that's the phrase I tend to use. It became my sanctuary and the animals, as funny as it was filming garden snails, like they were my friends. Um, and I felt free and non-judged by these creatures. And just in the moments of seeing, you know, a fox cub uh, coming out of its den for the first time, picking its little snout and ears out, you forget about all of these things for those few moments. And, you know, nature still is my rock today, really. And it, it is my place to go and, and recharge and know that I'm loved and accepted just as I am because nature can't judge. Um, but yeah, there was no support other than just getting outside, climbing a tree and having a hug within Aww. its branches. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, I'm so sorry that you had to go through such a horrendous time, but I'm so yeah, glad that you found nature. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I will add the caveat that a bit later on in my life, I did end up under secondary care within the NHS, but um, sadly, I can't report anything positive back about having access to those services, um, which is a bit of a shame. <laughs> was that because of a lack of resources that's available? I mean, we know what a chronic state that the mental health funding is in at the moment. Well, for me, the reason why I voiced this on this podcast, I don't usually say that little bit about getting secondary care, um, but it's because it being a resilient individual so you know having voiced all of these different things that are going on and still having that fire within me at the same time as you know immense suffering you know in the end it was five times i tried to take my life um within this time period and uh you know severe self-harm in the mix and the problem was i'd go and sit down with my care coordinator so the mental health professional who i was designated and i talk about what's going on the bad. I had to talk about what's going on, the good, as in, you know, I still want to work in wildlife film and I'm evolving into a personal trainer because I can't quite be in front of the camera at the moment. And it's just a pat on the back. You're doing great. Keep going. You're really hardcore resilient. And it's like the suffering was overlooked. And um, I mean, I, I don't need to go into the finer details of things, but people ended up like sitting down having a cup of tea with me because they wanted to hear about what I was up to and how inspiring it all was rather than actually you're here to help protect me um and get out of this huge darkness in my mind and body yeah and then covid hit and like so many people i was really quite lost i mean it was a very strange time for for us physically we didn't have a home and all of that jazz um but i missed one 
phone call for a session and then they were like you're removed from our services which was a real wow. shame I <laughs> so I lost the the one form of support really that I had just over mm-hmm. just, just like that because I missed a phone call <laughs> yeah so yeah not super great but you know they do do good things for a lot of people just um I don't think I quite got the right match when it came to my care coordinator <laughs> mm. yeah just thinking back like when you were talking about a resilient what resilience can look like and it can be that perseverance and courage and strength and things but there's times where we don't want to be resilient in terms of like doing it all on our own and going okay you look great Mm, (laughs) carry on with what you're doing because actually and I think we'll probably get onto that but that community and support is key in Mm. whatever form that comes in yeah, and I think, you know, the problem is so often mental health leads to, this is going to be a bit of a controversial sentence, but a great sentence of pity for people. And in pity, there is no power. And I, I've i had my times where I've been in quite a pity pit, but I don't sit there because I understand that's a victim mentality. And whilst it's absolutely okay to be in a victim mentality every now and then, you cannot operate from that place. Again, you have no power. And that is what I have put perhaps my greatest mental energy into is how can I rise out of this pity pit and not be a victim, but be somebody who's um, is dealing with this, but it's not my identity. Um, it is just something that is trying to grab hold of me. You know, people say the black dog. It's like, yes, OK, you're holding the lead to this black dog or the black dog is in you or the black dog is over you, whatever. But there is so much to still celebrate within all of that. And I think my biggest downfall when it came to receiving help was I'd sit there and say, oh, yeah, you know, this happened and I've hurt myself like this. But I did this this week and I would always bring it in partnership with something positive. And then naturally the positive thing would be celebrated, um, which is great. But, you know, it doesn't take away from the severity of what I was experiencing at the time as a young person as well. So it's it's, uh, it's tricky, really. (laughs) Yeah. And how did you get out even just a tiny bit from the the pity state that you were just describing? Because that just sounds so incredibly hard to make that first mm. step out of there. What what worked for you? I think, again, nature helped carry me forward. So I would very obsessively go out and do my morning walk every morning, wake mm. up, grab a cup of coffee, take it with me, get outside, do that walk. Like I would, I could do it with my eyes closed. Even now, sometimes when I can't sleep, I'd lie in bed and imagine that walk. Um, I'm never going to go back and rewalk it because they've built on it now, which is heartbreaking. Um, but I would sit under the this particular tree, which I had a genuine relationship with. Um, and I knew where, you know, all the different seasonal wildlife would show up. And that was my my grasp at life during that time really that morning walk and sometimes honestly I would go round and round and round and round because the greatest achievement I could have on any given day was just to flipping stay alive mm-hmm. and that walk kept me alive and then you know I would work I was working as a personal trainer by this point and it was very difficult you know showing up for work with this big bandage on my arm uh, you know underneath which was very raw <laughs> nasty things um, and trying to act like everything was okay and that that was super super difficult but I know that forcing myself to be into that instructor mode um which for me isn't isn't shouty but you know guiding people and actually stepping outside of myself and into other people's celebration of life and their journey that really helped as well so it was really hard it took resilience to keep doing that every single day but that helped pull me 
out of the pity or, or the pain, um, you know, even just for those those short hours and moments. And then really, it was actually a, really from meeting my, um, who was my friend, now my partner, uh, my girlfriend, that life actually started to change in a in a different way and and you know the the trails that I do and film every single one yes I go out and hike but there really is an immense um journey that happens within me in which I grow and I challenge something else and evolution and growth is just a huge part of who I am as a person I'm always on the hunt for things that challenge me and I think being a very hypervigilant uh overthinker <laughs> is it's great sometimes because you can always see two sides to things. Just like I say, you know, I could see that I was in this pace of pity, but I couldn't quite figure out the way out. But, you know, it's 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 grace for yourself and um, embracing that it is a journey. And I'd hate it when people would say, oh, it's you know not always going to be like this because I fundamentally did not believe that. And now somehow being out of that, I can see why people would say it. Hang on. I rephrase that. I'm not out of it. I but I I fight to stay on the edge of it. But yeah, like there is always hope. And uh, even when you don't feel it, it doesn't mean it's not there. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. When I've been, had my lowest points as chronic illness and just had any, lost any hope of, of getting better, I kind of know what that feels like. And when I see and meet other people that have that, I'm like, I'll just have the hope for you <laughs> right now yeah. because I know you can't, you can't always have it yourself, but it, it is there somewhere. Yeah. And it's it's grabbing hold of what there is in front of you. You know, it's just we are wired very often to see the threats and the negative because that's how we've survived, you know. Mm. But there, there is always, always, no matter what is happening, something to be grateful for. And gratitude is something to grasp onto, you know, it's because it's, I don't know, I just, I think, again, it gives purpose, it gives meaning, it gives hope. And, and in those times, you know, I was just grateful for that little wild walk that I could do and that was enough. That was enough to keep me going and my little dog. And, you know, sometimes it is just every day. What can I be grateful for and hyper focus on that? Because it takes the focus off the pain and the suffering and onto something good and beautiful, which hopefully can blossom and bloom in your life as you recover one way or another, mentally or physically. Mm. Oh, and when did you start talking about your challenges and, and experiences was that something that came quite naturally to you or was that further down the line? In 2016, it was really the first time I started talking about mental health a little bit more. Uh, so I quit my personal training job uh, with this great venture in mind, which was called the National Trails Challenge. And the goal was to walk all of the UK's National Trails, uh, which were 15 at the time, two and a half thousand miles in one year and make a film of every single one. So I was into backpacking by then. I was um, you know, starting to take it a little bit more seriously. Still definitely a novice, but I jumped right in and you know, was like, right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly. Uh, but my goal was to make, again, these little bit more serious documentaries this is the trail this is the story of the trail it wasn't really about me I was just there as a filmmaker um and it was on the third trail of the year that I was crossing over a bridge um over a motorway basically I I went onto the other side of the railings um with the intention of uh not staying on the railings and I realized like okay well I thought nature and hiking was really my thing <laughs> and yet here I am and it was at that moment that I turned the camera on to myself. I didn't talk about my mental health, but it was the first time I just felt like 
something had snapped like that wall inside of me had just broken down of being like oh yeah I'm a wildlife presenter and I'm a personal trainer and I'm this and like basically I suppose what we could call a mask and just went just dissolved um and just gradually over time I started to talk about my mental health I didn't end up finishing that challenge I I I took a couple of months off and then got another job as a personal trainer and um I really realized you know since college so I finished college two weeks later I went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro um for this big expedition film thing and then I came back and I was in this great pit of depression and this then getting a job as a personal trainer I was like yeah we're, we're trying again here then doing this challenge and it's sort of falling down again I suppose you could call these things failures some people might call them failures and I kind of viewed them like that but at the same time, I really just felt like something is shifting and changing here. And whilst there was immense fear, because it's like, oh, I need to, you know, earn some money. And oh, I've made quite a public thing about doing this big challenge and people have donated me money and, and whatever. It's like there is still a purpose to this. And I think that's really what encouraged me to be brave and start to talk about things. And and thus Wild was born out of all of this. So, you know, a great depression and a suicidal ideation and all of these things like that's where it was like yeah, I need to talk about this and I need to use nature as the metaphor and the vessel to carry this forwards and try to find my voice and my feet in this um, very scary experience and thus began probably quite an unhealthy relationship with Wild because that became my uh, stake hold to life. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so this yeah, is but... spend more time in the wild and how would you describe that? Is it a community, a platform i'm not sure <laughs> well uh, government wise i just operate as a sole trader and i like to make that nice and transparent <laughs> For tax purposes. But, yeah exactly but i think it's worth knowing you know that this is not a business like this or it is a business that didn't work um but it's you know this is i've not got a team it is just me right um so i have the youtube channel and that's where most people know me from and then i lead walks on the side so a mountain leader you mentioned in the introduction there mm-hmm. um and there's a few other sort of strings to the bow so what do I, I what do I call it? That, my friend, is the million dollar question because it's like, oh, nice to meet you, Abby. What do you do? Oh, that question. <laughs> I don't know. Got me I'm with a, the hardest one at the start. <laughs> yeah, like I'm a filmmaker thing. I don't know, digital storyteller, like walk leader. Like it depends on the day. <laughs> Same with me. If it makes you feel any better. <laughs> Yeah, which is great because, like, as with most things in life, I don't really like to be in a box, so it's good. <laughs> so you set up. What was so? Did it start as the YouTube channel? Yes, right. Yeah, that's okay. really where it began. So it was Song Thresh Productions for a long time, and I was actually running that as a little production company, creating promotional content for businesses and organisations, uh, but also on the side, my little hustle with with the snails, <laughs> um, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, then then it was really through the hiking that spend time in the wild was was born because obviously the goal was to get people to spend more time in the wild, as I hope they understand from the title. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I was going to I've ask really you about wrong. the mission, but I think we've probably yeah. covered that in just mentioning yeah. the title. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah. you started turning the camera round on yourself and being a little bit more vulnerable from what it sounded like. And then, but you just said that it had like a bit of an unhealthy relationship with that what did you mean by that I think uh, unhealthy is is a definite choice of words and probably if I listened back to this I'd be like why did you say that but it's more a case of I became wild um there was no distinction between 
anything. So this just became my entire life. I was absorbed by it. Um, and every single waking hour would be put into this. And it's it's very difficult. So like right now, 2024, we've got the year ahead. So I, I'm very well known for my documentary films of different hikes um, around the world as using nature as a metaphor, whatever. And, you know, first thing I think about is, OK, what do people want to watch like what is actually interesting so i make a list of you know big trails that are currently trending um that would be helpful to have a resource on but then i also think well what do i want to do because i'm really not very good at doing things if they don't resonate with me um and i think that's where i say it's quite unhealthy because say the gr20 in corsica is a trail that i would really like to do at some point um so yes i'm you've just heard that something i would like to do so abby not wild but abby but then it's like wild is a facilitator for that so back when i was younger um there were just no boundaries between what is for what and mm -hmm. thus i was burning myself out very quickly and i couldn't be really honest with you again being a sole trader being self-employed like as you know it is a grind man like there are no days off there's no sick pay like it is your entire life uh, but you have to find a way to be a person outside of that so one of the things i did last year it sounds ridiculous is i stopped wearing my branded t-shirts when i wasn't working not that i wear them when i am working either apparently but still like You're i wearing tried it to now for the yeah, benefit because we're at work now <laughs> <laughs> oh this is my just fun time <laughs> yeah so good um but you know just just try just it. having those boundaries really mm. exactly other than my wild stuff and it was like okay how can i who am i outside of one um, and I think what it, what when it really started to become a bit of a question mark was because people would come on my walks being like, oh, we love your videos and we, you know, we, we've struggled with this and that. And it's the same as you. And it's like, oh, well, actually, that's that's not me. Um, and you realize that you're only putting out a percentage of you, which is super great. But you there's something being held back. And what I wanted to know was who is it that is being held back? Who is private personal abby you know partner child sibling abby um and yeah that's where i basically what i'm saying is at the beginning it was all just one which was great because that again kept me alive it gave me purpose it gave me something to um obsess over uh and now i you know i do have what i would actually call days off where i try my best not to sit on my laptop and look at emails and edit and do the bazillion things that doing this mm. thing whatever it is requires <laughs> yeah that was definitely something that I did want to ask you about because I just know again I'm self-employed and and just know from like that's just at risk of burnout but then add in the creative and filmmakers and it just seems like it would be so easy to just get all consumed and burnt out so having yeah, those I, oh sorry no it was fine I was just like having those boundaries seems to have really helped is there anything else that really for you is kind of non-negotiable do you still do your daily walk or something like that is this bobby joining in yeah i apologize <laughs> about the, i thought you just had a weird cough it's your dog no. <laughs> um we'll see if he settles down if he doesn't i'll park him out um yeah please mind. just say if it's too loud but you know this is this is something i have to be resilient against with <laughs> my wee dog <laughs> we're professionals we can carry on <laughs> yeah, nothing is happening. It's an ever-evolving thing, really, uh, because the nature of what I do every day is different. Uh, I find the greatest cause of burnout uh, is just the mental elasticity that my job requires. A lot of people think, 
I just make videos or I just lead walks or I just write articles or I just have my store or right, should I stop now? Um, you know, and it's, it is really difficult because every single day there are so many plates spinning, which is to be celebrated, but it really does take its toll. Mm. Um, and I'll be honest, every single year I hit burnout. Um, so last year, 2023, I was on the oat route walking from Chamonix to France. Um, it was pretty peak in my physical condition, but I had climbing Mont Blanc uh, on the horizon and the weight of that trip ahead of me with all these hundreds of miles that I needed to walk and the, the the mental place basically I was like I do not have the capacity to do this and it was the first time I actually pulled the plug on a shoe on a trail like that because I knew that I was hitting mental burnout and yeah so on a day-to-day basis like this time of year I am a bit more at home than I am in the summer um, or from April time and I do I, I train every single day um, to really just look after my mental health and my physical shape for my job, the big part of my job. Um, so that's at least an hour on the spin bike or doing some weights. Or right now I'm trying to actually just do more breath work and yoga because my pain levels, physical pain levels are up a bit. Um, and yeah, getting outside is a really important thing. But also um, my coaches, we, we do this thing called a needle movers. So basically I've got a big spreadsheet with, um, a heading for every topic. So I've just said, you know, store, uh, podcast, writing, admin, YouTube, whatever. And under each one is you're constantly putting in what needs doing. And then you color code it green, orange, red. And some days I will sit there and I like, it seems like a really like administrative thing, but it gets out of your head. But some days I'll sit there and all I can see is the red. And our agreement is that when I can just see red, you close the laptop, you step away and you do something for yourself. And it's, it's things like that because, you know, especially as a, as an individual running their own thing here, like it's, it's so difficult because everything needed doing yesterday and you're still never going to do everything. Yeah. It's just evolving. And there is definitely a time and place to step away uh, and put put your well-being first. And I think that's something I'm doing more and more um, because it, it is a lot constantly adapting, you know, especially involving the Internet with my job. The algorithms are always changing. Some things you're super pleased with. They don't hit people like your income is really down. Like you've got a physical injury, so you can't do this. Like the weather's rubbish, so you can't film that. And it's it is a lot. And I I. I really like connecting with other people doing a similar thing because it, again, it reminds you that you're not the only one going through this. Um, especially mm. when you get snarky comments on YouTube, just that's really difficult when people think that, you know, you're just on holiday all the time. It's like, you have no idea. And it's, um, it's hard when you're such a sensitive person to take nonchalant comments like that, because it couldn't be further from the truth. Like I work very hard and I'm very proud of that but it does take its toll. And I'm very transparent about the fact that I have not nailed it. (laughs) It's so good to hear as a fellow self-employed person that, but I quite like the spreadsheet one. So I'm going to, um, I might steal that one if you can send me the template. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise I won't bother. But I know from my experiences that the times where you think you're so busy, that's for me, that's when I'm like, oh, well, I don't have time to Mm. do my yoga or, exercise as as much as I would and obviously that is the time you need it the most yeah you mentioned well, I, I think you know just to say I you know I think all, all self-employed people probably feel the same like the job always comes first but you can't function if you're not well okay. so doing your yoga doing your run doing your walk is a part of you doing your job 
never mind living your life. And the other thing I will just add, which I try and tell folks about, is uh, I am a member of the Federation of Small Businesses. It's a bit of a fee, but I think it's really worth it because we don't get sick pay and we don't have mental health caretakers. But they provide free mental health support, free counselling, whatever it is you need under that membership. And I have used those services and I now have a wonderful therapist who I pay for myself now, but I met her through there at a time of absolute desperation and i think it is a really nice uh organization to be a part of if you can afford it i think it's like 117 pounds for the year membership but the resources are phenomenal they've got full legal teams everything and it just makes you feel like you're less alone yeah um and gives you again a bit of bit of that fallback team um if as an individual you are struggling because it's flipping hard time to be (laughs) self-employed yeah and you mentioned just then about one of your walks there, you you said you pulled the plug. I mean, how difficult was that to do? Did you, were you happy with that decision or was it a really difficult one to make? Did you worry about what the comments on YouTube would be and things like that? Because I'm just getting yeah. at the point, like we talked, to, you talked about resilience being about this perseverance and determination, but sometimes it's it's really resilient and courageous to just, go off in the other direction or just accept that this is not not the right time for this yeah you're you're absolutely spot on I couldn't agree more um you know it's it's so difficult because sometimes the outdoor scene can really come across as very machoistic you know I wild camp more than you and look at me out in this storm and ah you know I didn't I I cold soak my food I don't need coffee it's like what is you are broken (laughs) it can be the same with running Uh, while swimming anything like that can't it exactly exactly (laughs) and it's I don't like that because the biggest problem with me for that is not in my personal opinion but that is what the algorithm promotes is this machoistic I climbed Mont Blanc with no preparation no guide and I nearly died look how cool I am it's Mm -hmm. like no forgive me but you're stupid (laughs) um and this oat root thing you know it was a grind um and it was a really really difficult decision because a, uh, you know, I I paid for all of my accommodation. Like this, everything I do is 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 paid for through my personal account. That's how it all goes. You know how it is. You're one being. There isn't a this is this. So that was really difficult. The financial side, um, having had that public commitment as well, was quite difficult to you know to swallow. Knowing that people were really looking forward to this production, um, but. Yeah, I was on the phone to my dad. I was on the phone to my partner. I was just in tears. Like I'd known a couple of days before, like that I didn't have the resilience at this point. I suppose um, as what I was saying that you know I didn't even want to turn the camera on when I started the walk. I was I was just like I do not have the capacity in this. And I pushed and I pushed and I pushed, and then finally I realised when I was in this immense zone of tunnel vision um about to go into really quite a remote section of mountain walking that this was actually really dangerous and i suppose my guide head clicked on like i would not want anybody to do this to themselves i needed to reality check this like there were you know those ski places where you have all the signs mm-hmm. I, I just could not interpret it everything was swirling like it was a very physical experience um of just exhaustion and so I made that decision and I also, you know, I filmed a closing piece to camera um, in, t- in anticipation of editing this thing as a film. And I think I really realised at that point, which evolved later on through other experiences um, on the Kungsleden, which I did later on in the year, that there's two sides to resilience. There, As you just said, there's resilience in terms of I need to dial in and push hard and this is really cool, look at what I'm achieving. And there's resilience in terms of, I'm taking care of myself 
And the hard thing is being resilient in the face of society, which would look at this as a failure. But to me, this is an amazing success because I've kept myself safe. I'm taking a rest. And don't get me wrong, it's difficult because I butt heads with myself all the time. The next day I was back filming on the hillside, wasn't I? But I wasn't doing the trail. Um, and it's, it is really difficult when you have such high expectations of yourself. But yeah, it was a very difficult decision to make. Um, but I think what really helped me was saying, what would I advise somebody else to do? Uh, so again, just a lot of these experiences, like get out of myself and into you know, <laughs> the bigger picture here. The trail isn't going anywhere. I can come back and Mm. I stepped off yeah and it was actually really interesting walking back down the hill or the mountainside because I saw things like I'd walked past these this huge sculpture garden with literally sculptures the side of buildings that I hadn't seen on the way up because I was just in this horrible state of panic um and so that's where I really knew like yeah this is the right decision because this was this was dangerous like these landscapes are not to be played around with when you're not in a in a healthy state but you raised about how the algorithm, and I don't know if you mean as in the machine or also the people as well, like actually what what we do see more of and celebrate are these big challenges, success, do this fastest, longest, that type of thing. I mean, how did you, how was the reaction to that? And does it reassure you that actually there are people, I put myself included, that want to see a human side to a story rather than just rushing up the hill? So the film, I haven't actually edited it yet, but I did share in a public statement what I was doing. And yeah, it was nothing but positive. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, 99.9% anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was good. And, and the trail is hopefully to be re-ventured onto this year. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm really pleased with the decision. And, and I, I hope encouraged other people to know that it's okay to call it a day sometimes. And it's okay to struggle and say, I am I'm not doing so great right now <laughs> and take that take that foot off the pedal because um the gas was empty I wasn't going anywhere anyway really was I so <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. go back down the hill and let's look at snails and live life exactly. in a slow lane yeah I it's much prefer that video yeah. <laughs> oh, no <laughs> and and also you mentioned I don't know if I know this was back when you were a teenager but you mentioned this big trip after your levels or at college and you said that you came back and had quite a big depression after that um and then uh, do you often get these kind of post-trip blues is that something that you have to manage because that might be something that a lot of people feel after big challenges holidays whatever it is yeah no I do and and, and honestly sometimes like I so for example again last year 2023 I did the Kungsleden which is a 460 kilometer trail through Arctic Sweden it's been on my list for as long as I've hiked um just so obsessed with that route and and everything I feel like I've done thus far in my life has built up to this experience and so I was just really at a point last year where it's like I have to just go like not for wild but for myself so I actually left my work camera at home and I got a um a smaller video camera or a smaller Sony that I could film on and I did film it and I enjoyed that but when I didn't feel like filming I didn't film so I still have tons of footage because it was 21 days and I'm going to make a film. But I find it really, really difficult to even look back at the pictures um, or the video because the nostalgia from that trip is 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 toxic, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> um, like, yeah, I'm, it was the most life-affirming thing I think I've ever done. 
for myself. Um, I just went through, I, I went there very intentionally to face some tough stuff and I faced it and I triumphed through it. And I am a very different person off the back of that trail. Again, just internally, um, people can see and feel it who, who know me and, you know, who see me every day. Otherwise you probably wouldn't notice I'm just the same old widow, but you know, um, it's, yeah, it can be really difficult that sort of post-trip blues. But I think it is also to be celebrated. You know, you've just gone through this amazing experience and you're separate from that. And I think what I what I really try and do to combat it is, okay. I like who I am on the trail. Like I love life on the trail. I love life in nature. What out of that life can I bring into this life so that I can be more like that here? Uh, not just for myself, but for the people around me, because I feel like I really am only truly myself when I'm out there on the trail. And solitude is so important. And I, I crave solitude a lot. And quite ap- unapologetically, I'm a very, <laughs> what people would call lonely person, but it's just what works for me. Um, but yeah, it's how, excuse me, how can I bring in that daily dose of nature? How can I bring in that physical movement? How can I bring in, um, you know, that that random interaction with random people, like all these things that see me thrive. And that's what helps remind me that life is a trail, you know, and and with injury and, and things that happen, there's a start point and there is an end point. And the, the, the hardest thing really is just not knowing which way it's going left, right and centre. But the truth is, you know, some trails you do with more research and some you just show up and you know you can do it and you have to just believe and trust that you can do it in life. So, comes with the ups and downs and it's just a dark damp cold valley those post-trip depressions and, <laughs> I've completely lost know, track a, if we're talking about a trip or life but I'm guessing life <laughs> yeah it, I think so because your post-trip depression which is what it's actually called or post-trip blues you know is it is a nasty thing to deal with it's real you know mm-hmm. and what, whether it's after a holiday or whatever and but I I suppose what I'm saying is I find my way through that uh by making Again, giving it a sense of purpose, making it something probably more than it needs to be um, and very much looking at things face on. Yeah, it's just my way, I suppose. (laughs) I really liked how you said about bringing the aspects that made you have that good time on the trail back into your life, because that's definitely something that I've worked on over the years. It's subconsciously, I mean, but, you know, when I was a lawyer and working stupid 80 hour weeks and things. I used to maybe escape for two weeks of a year to go to the lakes or Scotland or something walking and it would just, well, once I'd recovered from the first few days of just being ill because yeah. I'd stop work. Like after that, I just had such a great time. But you're like, you can't, I felt like I just can't live my life for the two weeks that I get off. No. So I've been working as to how, how I get that holiday feeling in the rest of rest of my life. Yeah. But it's been quite a challenge. You mentioned, um, we talked on it, touched on it earlier about chronic pain and this is something that I really find valuable talking about in terms of resilience because quite often for you know difficult events or times they pass but I know from my chronic illness I was very lucky to get better but it was after quite a long period of time of years and I've had people on the podcast where it is a lifelong managing pain and illnesses and I think for me that just takes such a different type of resilience and I just wondered yeah this is something that you've spoken about before so I'm really interested in how you manage your pain and and how it affects your life yeah it's uh it's a tough one it is a tough one to just deal with you know so I I 
I'm in chronic pain basically from the base of my skull down towards the center of my spine. Um, it, it moves as to where it is. And as anyone with chronic pain will know, you know, it changes how it feels on a day to day basis, but it's there all the time and very often manifests in chronic migraines and very sore neck and <laughs> on the emotional side, irritability and uh, lack of focus, like brain fog, all of that sort of thing. Um, it does impact me on the trail as well. Uh, carrying things can be quite difficult, but my, uh, resolution to that is uh, giving pain a purpose uh, and I think that's what's as with everything as you're probably gathering that's difficult in my life I give it a sense of purpose I know but um, I'm just like that is really hard what's the purpose what can we get from pain help me out with so this one <laughs> I think you know honestly I think a pain just like mental health very often is invisible and I think you know, purpose is so different for everybody because we're all in different environments and situations. But for me, as a as a voice a few times, you know, my I think my my purpose is to use my voice for things that are invisible. Um, you know, whether it's the suffering of wildlife as it began, or then for mental health now for chronic pain. So I talk about it more to basically bring it into the conscious world around us and to help us be mindful that people around us may be in pain and you can't see that. And so that for me is my purpose. And that's what helps me like the days where honestly, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's another day. I can't work uh, or I'm, I'm really struggling to work and I have to strip it back down to this and I've missed my deadline and whatever is this is part of it. This is part of my life's journey. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to connect with people, even be sitting here having this conversation with you if I were not in pain. And this, I guess I could say makes it worthwhile. Because, I mean, I know, wouldn't be like, doing this podcast if I hadn't had my pain with exactly. my knees, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you you have to look at life through that lens of what it's giving you. Because mm. the thing is, like, it's, it's a sad realisation, but actually quite empowering. Like, life is pain. That sucks. But it is because you're in pain if you're with people. Because you want to be alone and you want to do this and you want to do things on your terms and your routine. But you're in pain if you're alone because you want to be with people. Do you know what I mean? You get what I'm saying. Like just that there's two sides to everything. And chronic pain, there are still two sides. Like, yes, you could be living life differently, but it's not your life. This is your life. And it's your job to find a purpose to it and to talk about it if that's just where you start but there's something more in it and I think sometimes pain can be a really good gift the suckiest part of it is not knowing what that is and that for me is the resilience it's bridging the gap <laughs> yeah and it's definitely a process I don't I you know it's taken me quite a long time to see the ways in which it it is giving me new opportunities and connections and things I think it's the, the particularly the chronic illness has given me a depth of mm. compassion that I perhaps didn't have before I was more of like well if you want to get well you can if you want to get up and do so you can well I've been there and and that isn't true for a long time though or it felt like a long time when I had this pain I really struggled seeing other people having lovely happy adventures with their legs that were functioning and people that could run without any pain and I'm still really envious of those people and f what worked for me was just time helped unfollowing a lot of social media accounts that weren't bringing me any joy the opposite and I just wondered if you've had a similar process in terms of the difficulty like it wasn't an immediate effect that yes I've got pain great I can use this to a purpose 
<laughs> Please say you're so- sobbing on a sofa <laughs> as well as me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's a, that, that I want to highlight, just like the burnout, just like everything. This is this is a process. This is not there's no destination to this. Um, some days it is a, a victim mentality. This is just why is this happening? Um, but this is what resilience is, isn't it? You keep coming back, you keep falling, you keep as into it and you keep pushing because you stay alive and that's what you do. And and is but, the growth uh, like that we can get ourselves out of those mm. situ- those that pity quicker rather than just trying to avoid it completely? As in avoiding thinking about the pain, you mean? Or- no, I mean as avoiding the feeling bad about stuff. I, I suppose for me, I just, I do have these really intense moments where I I struggle and then but what I think I'm showing my resilience is because I can get myself out of them a bit quicker yeah yeah but that's it you know like I used to call that the bounce back so I would have a really rough day and over the years I realized that okay I've slipped up like with this out or the other and the bounce back as in me recovering from the the lowness of what's happened would happen quicker and quicker and I think now it's actually really quite quick because I can recognize this has happened or I've gone down this uh wiring of my brain um I'm falling into this pit and it's like boom no bounce back so I need to do something very proactively to shake out of that energy or do whatever and you're spot on like social media is toxic right now I'm I'm doing my absolute best to not look at it and because for me you know I will be on a trail doing something freaking awesome have a quick look at Instagram someone else is doing something awesome and I think I'm not good enough and that's where I just realized the epitome of how bad this is for you know mental health but I think it's you know there's I've mentioned grace and, and acceptance as well you know, and it's so difficult when we have this belief that this is what we want to be doing and how our life could be and should be, but coulds and shoulds are also toxic. This is these are the cards we've been dealt. Everyone else has been car- dealt cards. We don't know what's coming in the future, and for us, at any given point, it can turn around. And most fears and most of pain is cultivated in our mind. So if we can train our minds to not look at that pain, but to look at the beauty. That's what we're going to see. like, And that's the hardest thing is, you know, like some days all we can see is the crap. But that's where it comes back to that gratitude. And and I'm, I'm honk, honking on about these things because this is the journey I go through every single day. You know, when I'm struggling with body image, when I'm struggling with that pain, these are very proactive like mind games you have to play with yourself because it is a, a neuroplasticity thing. Like you, you literally have to rewire your brain intentionally and pain fires from the brain. So the stronger you can make your mental health and your mental resilience and your focus with which you're looking at things in life, you can achieve the impossible. And I fundamentally believe that because our mind and body are one, you know. And you just mentioned again the eating disorder and and you you said earlier that you had suffered from bulimia. And this isn't something that we've really covered on the podcast in terms of resilience. Is there anything or a different type of resilience around that or has that very much been part of the journey that we've been talking about in terms of recovery no so the the food thing is a is a tricky one because you know we need food to live and, and again a, yeah like I've, it's not like i've spent alcohol yeah. is it where you can cut cut this out food no food we need mm. but it's recognizing habits you know back when i was really struggling with certain products that i would i would binge on um I, I started by never allowing them in my sphere of existence um, and substituting them 
very strangely for like a bag of carrots and I can quite comfortably eat a bag of carrots. And nowadays I just own that like, yes, bring the hummus. I am good. Um, but also I think, you know, it's, it is just that, that mind thing. Like there's some days where I just know that I'm being a bit more obsessive and, you know, I would say I, I have a tendency to lead towards disordered eating now in terms of it's more my mind than my food. Like what I'm eating is great for my body, but it's my mind that's a bit messed up <laughs> with it all. But yeah, it's it, it's just those small those small steps really, and I think alongside everything, it's it's not been a linear journey, and and knowing that, and you know, I I, I remember speaking with somebody saying, oh yeah, I struggled with suicidal tendencies, and it never really leaves you, and I think when you know that, or if you accept that, then it just makes it easier to go. This is a process, you know. I've had darker times, I've fallen down before, and got back up, and keep going and sometimes mm. you don't want to do that you have your little adult tantrum because they're absolutely allowed and um on you go <laughs> I think one thing that's really helped me is developing a lot of compassion for me in the past and just I was doing my best with what I had at the time and rather than any shame or wanting to try and erase or change the past that's exactly it and it is you you have to you have to be very self aware to deal with any of these things because it does re- you know require looking backwards to see how you've got to where you are and sometimes you see the, the crappy stuff and sometimes you see the good stuff but absolutely you know you have to have compassion for the journey mm. and um you wouldn't be where you are without that journey you know mm. which is the way it's gone really and i have a lot of compassion for you and sharing and what you've been through thank you so much for being so open just my pleasure just thinking about that disordered eating just a quick question just thinking about the outdoor the adventure world you've been a personal trainer and wellness coach i feel like going back to those algorithms as well there's people doing very extreme things to their bodies in these adventures and pushing was that something that did you find anything toxic there did you find anything that wasn't healthy for you and is there anything yeah any perspective that you gained from being in in those areas the positives i would say straight away is it you know it really made me realize how you know, I was working in the gym and just I felt like it, the whole entire thing was missing the point. Like we're coming here to treat our bodies like it's, it can be prescribed this one hour of exercise and that's going to fix everything. But we are so much more than that. And that was a really good thing for me because it really it connected the dots in terms of, you know, my nature, wildlife filming, um, helping people with meaning and purpose and, and a deeper sense of everything. But no, I found the whole thing toxic, really, Oh, okay. because it's just, yeah, I just, you know, I feel gyms have their place. I love gym equipment. You know, I use it myself. I have my own stuff here. It just felt like people were being tricked. You know, it's like, oh, Abby has the answers. It's like, no, don't you have the answers. Like, I'll sit down with my clients and go like, what do you want to achieve from your life? Because the better you feel about your life and all aspects and the healthier your mental health is, the easier it's going to be to get up and move. It doesn't need to be, be you, I just don't think we, again, controversial opinion, <laughs> uh, we should be moving because we need to hit this scale because that's going to be the answer to all our, pro- uh, sorry, number on the scale because mm. that's the answer to all our problems. Of course it's not. Like we are, we're not valued by the, the number on a scale or what percentage body fat we have or how strong we are or whatever. Like uh, our value is infinite. You can't put a measure on that. And the fact that that's being monetized or was monetized by the system that I was in was heartbreaking because I saw picked people as victims of that. And for me, again, that's what nature doesn't do. Nature, yes, it, it throws challenges in front of us, but there is something for everybody. You know, right now with your your knee injury, 
you can still access nature. You know, if you haven't got legs, you can still access nature. Don't get me wrong. There's a political side to that in terms of like, you know, footpath access and all of these different things. But nature is for everybody. And it's in nature that we can really, I think, achieve some of the best bodies that, that you know, we can ever have because there's extremes to every spectrum. And as in with what, what we can be in our bodies. And um, yeah, I found it really quite unhealthy, I think, as mm. this is what I'm saying, because people are obsessed about the wrong things. And for me, I just think you're trying to achieve health, right? And health is a holistic, wholesome thing. It's not about here's your body, here's your mental health. It's not a to-do list. It's not something you just do. Like in order to have a healthy body and live a healthy life, it's a it's a it's a it's a way of living, not a chore. <laughs> yeah. 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 And widening that out and I completely agree with you in terms of of those numbers on a scale are not going to be a measure of our happiness but I just wanted to ask about the kind of adventuring world because I quite often see people chasing adventures and I just think oh this looks exhausting it's one thing and then another and then another and and actually what I've, I, maybe I was in that mindset with my running and, oh, I'm just going to run further and further and I've got to 190 miles. What, how far can I run? And actually I've been forced to just stop running. Yeah. And I've spent a few years just pottering around my allotment and having no big challenges. <laughs> but I wondered if, like for me, what what came with that was a lack of attention in terms of external validation for what I was doing. And I I wondered if you'd seen in the adventure world this kind of, well, I do this big challenge and I get a lot of praise and that feels really good. And But now I need to go and do other things and bigger things and bigger challenges. And mm. yes, I just wondered if there was any toxicity that you'd seen there. Yes, I'd say so. And I'd say I can, I can fall into that sometimes. Um, you know, starting 2024, I felt really quite intimidated. It's like, how can I trump 2023? Did you like, feel a pressure that, that really you needed to? Yeah, exactly. Oh, really? Exactly. Um, yeah, because, you know, there are always bigger, harder things out there, but it's, do I actually need to do them? Do I want to do them? And mm -hmm. I'd say, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say I've nailed that, but, you know, just hearing you say, oh, I've, you know, now I have to pit pottery around the allotment or whatever. And it's like, well, that's some people's dream. They wait till retirement for that, like, <laughs> you know, and now you get to do it. And I was going to I was going to do some like photography and I was going to do these like pieces of writing about it. But I actually just found that I didn't really have anything to write about that I wanted to. I just <laughs> I just wanted to sit there with my flask of tea. And <laughs> that's good. You know, that watch my good. plants grow. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose no, I, like for me that was quite it was a journey to to really get that just that self-love and self-acceptance yeah. without the noise of having to do big challenges or put myself out there it just I was just happy just finding the the joy in just everyday life yeah and, and exactly and that's what everyday life is life you know and 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 life is also what we make it and i think again it, it really does boil down to we become what we surround ourselves by and i think that's physically we're not all able to do the same thing um at any given moment in our life but we are all able to achieve the same mental place we're just on different different we're just at different stages in that journey and um so i think you know it's not surrounding ourselves by things that aren't helpful yeah. <laughs> you know like social social media, media. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but how did helpful. you um, how did you 
what, what decision did you make about 2024? Like, I mean, for me, I just think, well, you don't, you don't need to do anything bigger or better, do you? Or <laughs> how did I you it's, resolve it's that? Yeah, no, it is difficult because I'm looking up right now. Um, I know no one can see me, but I've got my big wall calendar and it's, it's slapped. Oh, I thought we were looking for the divine things, intervention. Like, <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. <laughs> That's not coming right now. Um, no, so the, the difficulty is, you know, my job is very physical and uh, in some ways, you know, I could be considered an athlete and what I do to it, to the magnitude in which I do it, like right now, my body is at its peak point to do that. So I do feel sort of the threat of time a little bit, but actually quite radically, I have flipped the ear on its head and pulled the plug with basically everything. Oh, really? Because for the first time ever, I've decided to prioritize uh, my health and my journey and I, I won't go into the ins and outs of it right now but I have an operation scheduled um towards uh springtime which means I won't be able to do the long maturistic look how many trails that I've done this year thing and it's it's a massive massive decision but it's a positive decision and I know it's not going to be easy uh physical recovery is going to be the easiest part it's the mental side that um I am already taking steps towards safeguarding myself with because I know that the flowers are going to blossom and the trees are going to come out and I'm going to want to be on the trail and I am going to struggle but on the other hand I like that because that's a challenge it's like okay cool if I can get into the right mindset like this is the challenge is to do this operation which is a really important step in my life and you know grow through the healing of and and the process of healing so st- it's like very humbling it's like right back at square one you know mm. like learning to walk again and um I like that challenge because it's like cool this is new territory I'm gonna grow from this and I'm so much more inspired by that journey Abby I want those that I want that <laughs> and what I found I suppose what I worry about you've got your identity I suppose going back to when you the spend more time in the wild but but just as an adventurer that that seems to be your identity your social media and I know that isn't everything of who you are but I can imagine just from my own experience of being doing lots of running and then I stop and it's it was a quite a crisis of identity. Well, who am I yeah. now and who's going to be interested in that? And then you realise it doesn't matter as long as I'm having a good time. Exactly. And, you know, it's I like a challenge. Like I, I really do. And, you know, one of the things um, when I'm not going to be able to walk in the same way is I'd love to go up to the Outer Hebrides, park my van and um, get my long lens out and see if I can film some otters and otter cubs. And, you know, it's just, okay, what does still excite me within the parameters of what I'm going to be able mm. to do? Obviously, I have a business to think about. So I'm taking all the steps business-wise to make sure I'm financially squared away. Like there has to be a logical head, but you you need things to look forward to. So I'm investing um, in a new hand pan, which is an instrument that I play. Very lovely sound. So jealous. I'd love um, one. <laughs> they're so good. And that for me is part of my rebirth process after this operation is to be able to get my emotions out on an instrument, which I can hold on my lap whilst I can't move. <laughs> and yeah, it's just again, just like with the allotment. It's what can you do? Sitting with your flask. If that's really helping you to feel calm and safe and present, then do you know what? Like this, hear me out on this, but this is the gift of pain because while so much of pain forces us to want to be outside of our bodies, it also forces us into our bodies. And do you have any idea how many people go through life disconnected, like unable to sit through this conversation because it's too deep and meaningful and they don't understand mm-hmm. it, like unable to relate to their bodies because they don't look like this celebrity or that celebrity 
to you. Like it, we are on a journey of of acceptance that so many people will never get. And I think that is a really, really beautiful thing because it's it's whole and we recognize that we are whole and we recognize our flaws and our struggles in a feeling way because we're not numb. Like we are present. And and that's what I always say, you know, to my partner, we talk about it quite a lot. It's like, why do we feel the suffering of the world? It's like, well, because we feel the joy of the world. You know, and just like we said at the beginning, you can't have one without the other. And I think all of this comes together. This is what yeah. this is about. This is that purpose, you know? So it sucks, but it's great because we're living life fuller than we might otherwise have been able to. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so beautifully put. And one of the things when I was very sad that I couldn't um, access the big mountains and trips that I places that I'd been to. Um, well, actually, I found so much joy in just what I can look at, even out my window. I'm very lucky with where I live. But mm. even when I had Anna Marie Watson, who is an outdoor coach on the podcast, she was talking about you can get the benefits just by looking at pictures of your favorite places in nature. And it, you mm. don't have to be in these extreme places to get the benefit. You mentioned about kind of nature being accessible to everybody and I was kind of nodding but then I think well I'm come from a very privileged place I grew up in a national park and I had parents that took me out I mean how have you found have you always found it a welcoming place and are you you you, know, you promote nature in such a great way and I just feel like are you hopeful that people are feeling welcome whatever their background yeah I think it's um it's a statement I throw out there, which does have a but, actually. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's really great that we've got some fantastic charities and organisations out there that are buying up land and historical buildings and things to protect them. But that does come with a price tag for people to be able to enter those places. And I'm very frustrated by that because uh, for me, even I question whether I want to buy those memberships and subscriptions. And if I don't pay for that privilege, then parking my vehicle in that places an extortionate amount of money um and i think you know then you go to sort of more urban areas than when i live and there really is not much green and you look at the school education system and you know children get less time outside than prisoners uh in certain prisons and it's just the numbers are wrong you know mm -hmm. and when it comes to female uh or roles of women in outdoor led uh, in, uh events and, and courses like the numbers are actually going down Yes, we we've seem to have reached the peak oh, really? of the number of women leading in outdoor environments. It's it's going down at the moment. And I don't think that's actually to do with uh, a gender differentiation. I just think that being an outdoorsy person is really difficult in the current climate financially. Mm -hmm. But, you know, <clears throat> so I say it's outdoors is accessible for everybody. I think where that really comes from is the fact that, you know, nature welcomes everybody. The flip side to that is, you know, there are there needs to be accessible footpaths, you know, there needs to be parking that's affordable, there needs to be this, that and the other. Like, unfortunately, like everything, it becomes a little bit more political and money ends up getting involved. But I like to think that I can do my part with that and speak up with that. Hence what I've been talking about things here without naming certain uh, charities and so on. But there is definite room for growth and expansion. And I'd like to see that, you know, we might not be able to make Triffin uh, in North Wales uh, wheelchair friendly, but we can certainly make the Ogwin Valley wheelchair friendly, which it is now. And I think that's amazing because you can go right up to Triffin and touch it pretty much. And how cool is that? You know, and if, if that's how it is right now, that's how it is. Um, so it's all an evolution, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think... In many ways, like a lot of things, we're still a little bit in the Stone Age, you know? It's like, come on, let's let's speed up with this. (laughs) Yes, I feel hopeful that change is happening, particularly... in a number of areas, but it's it's very slow, and you think, well, why is it taken this long? I mean, I I I've gui- guided as a mountain leader, and I took one job where it was, you know, taking a charity group up Snowdon on um, like Easter Saturday, really sunny, and and everyone, most of my friends were like, oh, this sounds horrific, it sounds awful, and actually, I found it a really positive experience. It's, people challenging themselves, doing something that they thought they might not be able to do. But also, yeah. I just thought the diversity of people that I saw on the mountain was so great. There were families, so many different different ethnic minorities that I, don't, I just don't see on my normal paths in the Peak District. So that made me quite hopeful. And I, I was hoping that, that nature is getting, the benefits are there for, for everybody, hopefully at some point. Absolutely. It's just like everything in life. It's an evolution. Um, yeah. And the more we can talk up about things, the more we help to move that forwards, you know. And you've been so good at getting a community together. I think I've heard you talk about how that's been really important for you, that even though you were spending a lot of time in nature, it wasn't the cure for, there you go, your mental health is fixed, just go outside. There was actually more to it than that. And, it, and you've mentioned about therapy as well. But in terms of the community, like where are the places well how important is it and then where can we go and find these communities so I suppose for me I couldn't find a community that works so I built one (laughs) (laughs) Um, no so when I say community I I really do mean the the wild community so we've got the Facebook group the walks that I run like they are such all-inclusive wonderfully liberating safe happy places where you can just be yourself no matter what energetic emotional space that you're in and I just I felt like I couldn't find that anywhere so yeah, literally it's it through my YouTube videos that I made it, but I, absolutely you're right. Like nature has been a grounding force during a lot of the struggles in my life, but it's so many other things, you know, it's, it's talking that has really helped. It's physical movement that has really helped. It's, um, it's reading and surrounding myself by inspirational people and podcasts just like this um, that have really helped and just really help, you know, uh, coming to terms with the fact I'm not on my own. There's other people going through things like finding those mottos, things that I can grasp onto on any given day. You have to make it your your focus, really, um, recovery and staying out of that pity pit, I suppose, if we're going to call it that, because it's, yeah, it, it tries to get you Um and uh, yeah, it's a it's a big myriad of things that have and do keep me in a in a healthier place. Mm. And one one final question: We talked about resilience being like courage and bravery, and you talked about that being can can be intentional. And do you feel like if you intentionally put yourselves in uncomfortable or just those situations where there's opportunity for growth, is that something where you can develop resilience and like intentionally develop it? Mm, definitely 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 and I'd, I'd say that's what I do every single year so a uh, very good example I think just to share with with listeners is I'm I'm scared of the ocean I'm scared of water I had a an unpleasant experience where I tried to take my life in vouldering water um, so it's a very visceral fear like a cellular fear uh, I, did, I don't like being afraid of things as such so 2020 I decided it was time to face this so um, I was down in the south of Italy with my partner and um, spent a couple of days trying to just get into the ocean. I managed to do a bit of snorkeling at the end of that and got really excited by the marine life. And that was bigger than my fear, like the curiosity. Uh, and then 2023, I got into scuba diving. 
to really still really scared of water but it's like okay next level right let's get under this thing um so i learned to scuba dive i'm actually now a rescue paddy diver um i and the fear is not there in fact um it's flipped backwards unfortunately the fear is still there now because i had a diving accident uh in november last year which has definitely put me right back to square one um oh no and uh yeah, I felt like I was going to lose my life in that incident. Um, and it was really interesting to feel that I, I want to preserve life. Uh, do not want to die. Thank you very much, which is great. Very different place to when, you know, all of this fear began. So in some ways, again, I can see the purpose and the, the opportunity to see that perspective. But it's like, OK, right. Fear's back again. So now it's like, right, where do I go? Like I just said, you fall down, you pick yourself back up. So now I'm going to start some swimming lessons um, and just become a more confident swimmer and um, work on it through that. But yeah, it's uh, that is resilience, you know, and it's it's for me, I knew that I was scared of water. So I put myself in environments that were safe, but I knew that I could build that, learn about myself, build that resilience. And if I hadn't done that first part, I wouldn't be willing now to go up and try and do some swimming lessons and try this again. But the more you go through the system, the more you see that there is a place to go with it all you know it's you're not stuck it's never static mm. so yeah and it doesn't it have a... to be physical does it I no, it can be starting all. a podcast public speaking whatever it is that yeah that holds some fear but I guess there's but you there's a purpose and and you know that it'll be growth if you that there'll be growth if you can get through that initial fear yeah, and it's it's like everything. It's those small steps. You know, if you set yourself too big a challenge, then you possibly will fall down at the first hurdle. And that's totally okay. Learn from that. Get more resilient. Break it down. <laughs> take a smaller step next time. You know, like that's how it goes. This is life, you know. <laughs> oh, can't we just have the joy and the happiness and the fun? But... <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry oh, that's, that's thank you thing. so much, Abby. <laughs> if there's one takeaway one lesson that you've learned about resilience through all these years that you've just been talking about what do you think that would be it's a choice like you have to choose it you have to choose this path like if you're having to be resilient it means you're facing something hard potentially and therefore you need to be intentional and you need to choose to be that resilient individual to choose to see that there there is growth that's possible to choose to find that purpose and as hard as that is that is the beautiful thing about it so I think Mm. that's what I've learned and that's why I get excited by it because where is it going to take you nobody knows and that's cool that my friends is what we would call an adventure (laughs) and you don't have to do it alone (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) What's the best place to follow you? Thank you so much, Abby. Uh, so my website is uh, spendmoretimeinthewild.co.uk and you can find out more about my work and, and the different aspects of that so I suppose a bit more about Abby if you'd like to find out more about trails and the different um, inspirational places that you could go for yourself my YouTube channel under the same name um, or Abby Barnes is, is the best place and if you want to see some of my random hand pan shenanigans or hear my coughing dog then my Instagram uh, Abby Barnes, why is the best place for that? <laughs> we do, we do. Abby, thank you so much. You've been so generous in what you've shared. And I know it's going to help so many people, both with what you shared on this podcast, but also everything else that you put out. So thank you so much for that and just being you. Thank you so much. I really do hope it can happen. Um, you're not alone, no matter what you're going through. So thank you for doing this podcast and I look forward to connecting again. <laughs> thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.